Good morning, and welcome to worship on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost. Wherever you are, we are so glad you are joining us for this time of worship together. I remind you that a bulletin for this service is available um, on our website at oslme.com if you'd like to be able to sing along with the hymns as we sing together. And I remind you that as a part of our worship this morning, we will be celebrating Holy Communion. So I invite you to prepare those, element, those elements now, bread, wine, or juice. Gather them so you're ready to celebrate Holy Communion. And I invite you as well to light a candle as we gather together for this holy time. We join our hearts and minds now in a prayer of confession. Let us pray. Ever faithful God, have mercy on us. We confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We turn from your loving embrace and go on our own ways. We pass judgment on one another before examining ourselves. We place our own needs before those of our neighbors. We keep your gift of salvation to ourselves. Make us humble, cast away our transgressions and turn us again to life in you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. God hears the cries of all who call out in need, and through his death and resurrection, Christ has made us his own. Hear the truth that God proclaims. Your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. Led by the Holy Spirit, live in freedom and newness to do God's work in the world. Amen. We join together in singing our gathering hymn, God the Sculptor of the Mountain, hymn number 736.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. Beloved God, from you come all things that are good. Lead us by the inspiration of your Spirit to know those things that are right. And by your merciful guidance, help us to do them. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. In our first reading for this morning, Paul reviews some of his former credentials, which he says no longer have any bearing in comparison to the right relationship he's been given through Christ. The power of Christ's resurrection empowers and motivates him to press on. A reading from Philippians. Paul writes, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We join together in singing our gospel acclamation. According to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the people, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one 
killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these tenants? The Pharisees said to him, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the corner cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom. The one who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The Gospel of the Lord. Beloved of God, grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What will the landowner do? What would you do? It's an easy question, and like the Pharisees, we know the answer. When I traveled to Israel in the summer of 2019, one of the places we visited was called Desert Stars. It's located in the south of Israel, in the Negev Desert. The Negev is home to most of the Israeli Bedouin population. These folks are Israeli citizens, but Arab in ethnicity and largely Muslim in faith. Over the course of the 20th century, the local sheikh and tribal power structures began to break down. Access to services and resources is not great, Unemployment is high, and much of the population lives in poverty. While we were there, we met with a man named Matan, who shared part of his story with us. Matan is an Israeli man, Jewish in ethnicity and faith. When he did his stint in the Israeli army, he was assigned to the desert area. People either fall in love with the desert, he said, or they hate it. Matan is one of the former, and so when his time in the army was up, he decided to make his home in the Negev. One day, Matan was out on his motorcycle when he was surrounded by a group of young Arab men intent on stealing his motorcycle. Matan tried to talk his way out of the situation, but the situation escalated. The group of men brandished weapons, but when Matan pulled out his weapon, the group disbanded and fled. How would you feel? How would you respond? Well, Matan shared his answers with us. He felt angry and unsettled, and it confirmed for him every stereotype he had ever heard about Arabs growing up. And although the initial intensity of his fear and anger abated over time, still he lived with hostile feelings directed toward his Arab neighbors. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? 
The answer is obvious, isn't it? The Pharisees respond with the answer that is in all of our minds. He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. The story might stop here. Jesus has made his point, and in a classic gotcha move, he's done it by getting the Pharisees to condemn themselves. At this point, we should be careful on two fronts. First, we should not extrapolate from the Pharisees to all Jews or to Judaism. Jesus is telling a story against a specific people who held specific leadership roles in a specific time and in a specific place. He is talking to the Pharisees of his day who were criticizing his teaching and ministry and who were actively working to discredit him. Remember, Jesus himself is a Jew. His disciples are Jews. The earliest Christians were Jewish. Jesus is not telling a story against the Jewish people as a whole. If he were, he would be, in essence, rejecting himself. This is not what he is doing. It is not the point of the story. Second, we should not hold this story at arm's length put too much distance between ourselves and it. Yes, Jesus was speaking to a specific group of people in a specific time, but the story doesn't only have historical value. We claim these words as scripture, as sacred and holy, having meaning and value for us in our world and in our context. And so we should wonder, if Jesus were to tell, to preach this story today, what would he say? Who are the leaders, religious or secular, that Jesus might speak out against today? Would Jesus, for example, not call out the church for the ways in which the church has sought to put limits around God's grace and mercy, labeling some group, some people as sinners and denying them membership or leadership opportunities? Would Jesus not speak out against leaders and systems, both religious and secular, that continue to neglect and abuse the poor and the vulnerable, that seek to maintain the entrenched systems of racism that are a part of our society? Would he not speak out against those who use religion or God's name as a means of enhancing their own power and prestige? Now, before you put up the final wall, saying, but I'm not a leader, I'm not a religious leader, not a political leader, not a leader in business or industry, I'm just an average person. Before you put up that wall, you should ask yourself, would Jesus not also speak out against the ways you and I fall short? the ways we fail to return and to share the abundance of God's blessings with others. When we put ourselves squarely into the middle of the story like this, it stings. And we might even begin to understand why the Pharisees were so intent on doing in Jesus. No one likes to be called out like that. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to others. Now, if I were Jesus, 
I would respond to the Pharisees' condemnation of the tenants by scouring scripture to find a passage to quote that says something along the lines of, that's right, you're going to get your just desserts. And it would be even better if the verse could contain the word hypocrite. But I'm not Jesus. Jesus scours scripture and finds a verse from Psalm 118 to quote. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. At first glance, the citation is a bit odd for the situation, but it offers us a clue to a deeper truth that Jesus is trying to convey. Yes, Jesus is encouraging the Pharisees, the disciples, you and me, to live faithfully, to live in keeping with God's word and God's will, to do as God asks. And yes, there are real-world consequences when we don't. But when we fall short, when we fail at this, what Jesus wants us to know and understand is that God is not the kind of God that then immediately seeks to put us wretched sinners to a miserable death. You see, as readers of this story today, we know how God answered Jesus's question. Now, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? God answered the question definitively on Easter morning. Christ is risen. This is God's answer. You may reject God, but God does not reject you. God comes to us again and again, reaches out to us and opens new opportunities for relationship and for healing and reconciliation and for forgiveness. It is grace and mercy and steadfast love that are at the core of God's being and that characterize God's actions and intentions toward us. This is the cornerstone of our Easter faith. Not even the death of God's own Son will keep God from seeking to be in and live in relationship with us, even when we have a hand in the Son's death. Look back with me at the story. The landowner sends a group of servants to collect the harvest, and then another, and then still another, even though each time the tenants abuse the servants. And then the landowner says, hey, I'll send my son. Well, this is crazy. Who does that? A normal landowner would have come and kicked out the tenants after the first group of servants had been beaten. And if not after the first, surely after the second. But to send a third, to send a son, the heir? No, no one in this world does that. But God does. God is crazy enough to do, to risk anything, to be in relationship with those tenants, to be in relationship with you and with me. God's love does not give up on us, and it comes again and again. This love, self-giving love, is the cornerstone of God's being and the very heart of Jesus. This is the cornerstone we can depend on the foundation upon which we can build 
and rebuild our lives. It is a love that beckons us to reach out across the barriers that divide us. Wretched sinner? Maybe. But this will not be our epithet. Beloved child of God, this is how God thinks of us. This is how God remembers us. Several years after the motorcycle incident, Matan got married and he and his wife had children. As he reflected on the kind of world he was raising his children in, he knew that he did not want them to grow up in a world that was characterized by fear and distrust. While he and his wife considered leaving the Negev, he couldn't do it. Instead, Matan began to learn a little about the challenges that faced his Arab neighbors. He learned about the lack of resources, the lack of leadership and leadership training, and about the underrepresentation of the Bedouin community in the Knesset, the Israeli parliament. Matan was committed to doing something that would create a safer and better world, not for not only his own children, but for all the residents of the region. Together with a local Arab mayor, they formed Desert Stars. At first, it was a gap year program intended to help young Arab men develop leadership and Hebrew language skills that would allow them to succeed and create opportunities to better their society. It soon became apparent, however, that there was a need in the community for additional educational opportunities. And after school program was developed and then later a high school was established. The program has been overwhelmingly successful and has won several awards in Israel. Desert Stars is a testament that when old systems of fear, mistrust, and dislike are rejected, it is possible to build a new life, to build new relationships and new institutions that make the world a better place for all of God's people. We live in a deeply divided society where fear and hostility run rampant, where people would like nothing more than to see the wretched other kicked out. But Jesus reminds us we do not have to give in to that way of thinking, that kind of living. We do not have to be consumed by that mentality. There is another way. Ultimately, it is really only love, the love of God in Christ Jesus who holds us fast that can change hearts and minds and lives. Everything else falls short. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? As St. Paul so eloquently put it, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Alleluia and amen. Our hymn for today is There in God's Garden, hymn number 342. We sing together verses 1, 2, 4, and 6.
The quilts that are adorning our credence table here today are here in celebration and gratitude for our quilting ministry and for those who help to sew these beautiful creations over the course of the year. We offer now, as a part of our worship, um, a prayer of blessing as these quilts will be sent next week to Lutheran World Relief. 146 quilts, in fact, will be sent to Lutheran World Relief, and many quilts will um, remain here and be given to Bridge to Hope and to Stepping Stones as well. The quilts that are sent off to Lutheran World Relief will be sent all around the world. We offer a prayer of blessing now. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for blessing us with hands and minds that can create such beauty. Thank you for those who've sewn these quilts for the sake of others. Renew us all in the commitment to use our gifts in the service of others, especially those in need. Let us be your hands to feed the hungry to shelter the homeless, to clothe the naked, to comfort the weary and outcast, to welcome the stranger, to care for creation, to be loving neighbors to all people. Bless now these quilts, that they may be tangible reminders of your love and our concern and care. May those who receive them find dignity in their use and comfort in their warmth. To you, O oh God, be glory and honor in your church and in the world, now and forever. Amen. Thank you to all you sowers out there for using your gifts in our midst. We continue now as we lift up prayers for the church, for the world, for all those in need. Let us pray. Holy God, you call us to work for peace and justice in your vineyard. Refresh the church with your life, that we may bear fruit through work and service. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the abundant harvest of the earth. Bless and care for those whose hands grow and bring food to the tables of all who hunger. And teach us to honor and care for land and sea and all of your creation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Curb impulses of greed and pride that lead us to take advantage of others. Grant that world leaders would have wisdom and compassion and would lead with humility. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. With the promise of new life, comfort those who suffer and work through us to help to embrace all bodies aching for wholeness in body, mind, and soul. We call to mind today those who are, we know to be in need. We pray especially this day for Janice Crump, Jody Raisler, Lolly Baldus, Ruth Gilbertson, John Lentz, Tim Odness, Deb Johnson, Marilyn Lee, Carolyn Barnhart. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray, O oh God, for all managers in our community and for all who seek employment. Give hope and a future to those who lack meaningful work, those who have been marginalized or abused in the workplace, and those who desire new opportunities. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thank you for the saints who teach us to live faithfully in your vineyard. May our chorus join theirs until our labor is complete. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Listen, O God, as we call on you and enfold in your loving arms all for whom we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. We share a sign of peace with you wherever you are gathered. And if you are gathered with others, I invite you to share a sign of peace with them. I thank you for your continued generosity, for all the ways that you support the work of helping those in need in our greater community and the ways that you support our ongoing ministry here at OSL. Your support is vital as we continue to follow in the ways and work of Jesus. We welcome your offerings to our Savior's Lutheran Church, to our shared ministry. You're invited to send in your offerings to the church office, or you can use our online giving option. You can find that on our website at oslme.com. As we join together in singing our offertory now, I invite you to prepare your bread and wine or grape juice in order that you can celebrate with us Holy Communion. We sing together. before us these gifts of your good creation. Prepare us for your heavenly banquet. Nourish us with this rich food and drink, and send us forth to set tables in the midst of a suffering world through the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and all people, for the forgiveness of sin. 
do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. You are invited now to share communion with those whom you are gathered with or to receive this gift yourself. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. As you share these gifts of God's love and grace, we hear a special gift of music from Michaela. She will be playing, Let Us Break Bread Together. The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. 
We give you thanks, gracious God, that you have once again fed us with food beyond compare, the body and blood of Christ. Lead us from this place, nourished and forgiven, into your beloved vineyard to wipe away the tears of all who hunger and thirst, guided by the example of the same Jesus Christ and led by the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. As you go forth into the rest of this day, go forth with this blessing. Mothering God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you and lead you into the way of truth and life. Amen. I bring to your attention a few um, ministry updates. I brief you the minister of OSL, and I remind you uh, that you are invited to participate in a couple of gathering worship services over the week. On Wednesdays, morning prayer matins continues at 9 a.m. via Zoom. And if you haven't participated before and would wish to learn how, you can contact Pastor Sarah, and she will give you the scoop. In addition, on Wednesday evenings at 5.30 p.m., weather permitting, we are gathering in the parking lot for a night prayer Compline service. That's 5.30 p.m. Bring a chair, a lawn chair, and a mask, and we join together for a short service in our parking lot. In addition, confirmation begins this week with 7th grade small groups meeting on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. If you have questions about our confirmation program, the best person to contact is Pastor Sarah, and she will answer those questions. In addition, Sunday school has also started. Short weekly lessons are available on our website on the Sunday school portal. Please contact Denise Vick with any questions you might have. Denise is our director of children's ministry, and all are welcome to participate and access these resources. So contact Denise Vick or our office, and we will get you connected so that you can um, have access to those Sunday school resources. I remind you as well that if there is a prayer concern you have or you wish to visit with either one of our parish nurses or with Pastor Sarah or myself, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We are here for you. We want to connect as we are able. All of our contact information um, can be found again on our website at oslme.com. We conclude our worship this day as we sing our sending hymn, Jesus Loves Me, hymn number 595. And we sing this hymn this morning in honor and in loving memory of Bishop Kurt Miller, Pastor Sarah's father-in-law.
Go now in peace. Remember the poor. Thanks be to God. Thank you. 